1: Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the best independent sports podcast on the planet, is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponko Chicken. Ponko Chicken is the home of the best Japanese American chicken tender, and it continues. To rack up the awards in Atlanta, winning the 2019 Super Bowl Live Top Sling Vendor Award, multiple best selling tastes at the Taste of Atlanta Awards in 2017 and 2018, and even the Best Fried Chicken Award at the 2018 ATL Cluckfest. Ponko is all about connecting cultures, cultivating happiness, one chicken tender at a time. I love Ponko, their family. And I can't thank them enough for their support of this podcast. It it just, it means a lot. And um, yeah, so go to their Midtown location, their Tucker location, and all their future locations as they take over Atlanta because they're family and I love them. And I couldn't be more excited to see more and more locations pop up and all of that um, that goes with it. So go to, go to Panko, get some chicken, get some rice, get some beer. There's all kinds of great stuff. Um, whatever you want, Ponco chicken has it. So go do that. Um, also go to chase dot com. I am, uh, I'm writing my ass off there, uh, these days. So go do that. Read my stuff. You can get access to all of my previous episodes. You can buy my merch. You can learn more about just why I do, what I do and why I believe I'm going to get where I want to go. Um, this is my dream. This uh the sports media thing. And um you were going to see me on ESPN one day or Sports Illustrated or Fox Sports or The or whoever. Um because I'm not going to quit. I am I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep punching out episodes, writing articles and just outworking everyone because I just I just want this more and I believe my product and I believe in where I'm going, um, wherever 300 episodes strong and this is what I want. Uh, there will be no slowing down, took a break, but this is, uh, this is my jam and this is what I want. This is my passion. And, uh, yeah. So leave a rating, leave a review on iTunes. it means a lot. Share my articles on Twitter, Facebook, wherever, um, and join me as I keep climbing the ladder and all of that because I, I just, I need your support so if you like the podcast keep listening, keep subscribing, tell, tell your friends, keep sharing it out keep reading my work and uh, yeah so, okay, alright, Uncle Darren let's go. Chase Thomas podcast the Chase Thomas podcast <laughs> um, <laughs> my nephew needs me to record see I hate, I already hate it, I hate it alright, welcome back to a Thursday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I am the aforementioned Chase Thomas, Yovan Bua it's here. Yovan, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? This is so nice when you have a good mic, I have a good mic. It's a very clear Not not through the phone. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's nice. We're moving on up. We are. Um, but yeah, man, how have you been? How have you enjoyed uh the NBA offseason? And um I'm assuming you watched a little bit of the Serbs uh beating the United States today?
0: Yeah, I was uh I was not rooting for the US, so I'll say that up front. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah, I, I've kind of been rooting against them all tournament just because I didn't like this team. Um and I didn't want them to be rewarded for uh not putting together that good of a team. Uh but that's a whole other topic uh my offseason has been good i mean look like uh my job got a lot better i know we've talked about it uh you know not not that long ago but uh you know Kawhi and paul george obviously makes things a lot more interesting and it kind of feels like it, it's been a challenge not to write about them with, with kind of everything i write um like I, I just did a lineup piece today on five lineups i'm interested in seeing uh you know f- from from the clippers and Kawhi and Paul George were in every lineup and I, I, kind of went back and forth of like, should I do one lineup that doesn't feature, you know, uh, both of them or it doesn't feature any, like either of them. And I was just like, no, like, this is like, I'm interested to see how Kawhi and Paul George play together and, and I'll pick, you know, kind of three guys around them that I think make the lineup more interesting. But, um, like that's kind of been the center of, of my off season, but I, I actually just got back from vacation I went to Europe for a couple of weeks. I saw. How uh, was so that? That was nice. It, it was my first vacation in four years. Uh, really, first substantial. Like I, I've taken random time off here and there, like one day um, or so, but it's been very, you know, infrequent. And it, I just have kind of been grinding for four years, so it was nice to use those airline uh, miles and and hotel points that I've, I got from traveling last season to. Ah, uh, go on a, a nice Euro trip with my friends. Ah, uh, really, just kind of unplug and disconnect for the first time in a in a long time. So that was nice. You know, it, it was nice to just kind of reset things and and just take a break and now come back sort of recharged. Um, you know, I'm still hungover like a week later, but uh, I'm I'm getting over it and
1: uh, getting back into the swing of things. What was your favorite part about the vacation?
0: Uh, well, Paris. Paris is a place I've wanted to go for a long time. Um, I, one of my favorite movies, it's, it's pretty random, but, uh, Midnight in Paris, uh, by Woody Allen, which, uh, you know, saying a Woody Allen movie is your favorite isn't, uh, the best thing these days, but, uh, <laughs> Uh but it came out I mean I still love all the movies. I, yeah, I don't care. like it. You can I mean,
1: separate the art from the the exactly. person. Exactly.
0: So I mean to an extent, right? So uh to an
1: extent. Yeah, I guess it's a, basis, it's a case by case basis, but I will but... I I watched Annie Hall like 2 weeks ago. Don't care. I still love Woody All movies. So
0: Midnight in Paris was like, you know, I I love Owen Wilson. Uh he's one of my, you know, he's in my top 10 favorite actors. Um, you know, Wedding Crashers and, and all that stuff like I I mean I, Midnight in Paris is amazing. It, it's a really good movie and uh, for me that was that was a, at a time it came out in 2011 so I think that was my it was my freshman year of college and that's when I was really falling in love with the craft of writing and and that's you know I'd actually gone back and forth in college between um, broadcast and print journalism so that was when I had kind of decided like I'm gonna be print, I'm gonna be a writer and that movie came out um you know and I, it just really resonated with me and and you know the, kind of the escapism angle of it and, and him going to paris and getting lost and all that stuff so going to paris for me was it was the coolest thing because that's somewhere i've I've basically wanted to go for a decade and um you know just it kind of lived up to the hype for me I, it was everything i thought it was just the the architecture and and the shops and the cafes and the food and um you know just everything about it was um you know i've heard it's it's been a very polarizing place like when i tell when people like oh where where's the one place you want to go or you know where haven't you gone that you want to go whatever i always say paris and it's very polarizing some people ah, oh, they're rude they're arrogant blah 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 you know i don't like it or some people are like i love it and um you know met up with brad turner of the la times out there he's been going to paris for over 20 years every summer he goes there for a couple of weeks um so he's obviously in the camp of loving it and we had a good time went to dinner a couple of nights went out and stuff so Paris, by far, was, was the best part of the trip. I really like London, too. Uh, I've realized that I'm more of a big city, like, uh, metropolis-type person versus, like, the bar, like Barcelona is a little bit... I like Barcelona, but it, it's not as much my style. But, like, a London or a Paris, like, I, I am more of, like, a LA, New York-type person than um, other places. So I, I do like big cities and, and pavement and concrete and all that stuff. Um, I don't know if that makes me weird, but uh I, I will take that over like a a beachy vibe um so yeah it, it was a fun trip though so I, I went to uh London Paris Barcelona, and amsterdam uh not to talk too much about this
1: no i mean i this is this is cool I this mean, is the content will uh, come for absolutely people like uh, to catch up i mean there's not a lot of basketball going on right now yvonne so a lot of our stuff is just very conversational of just like what do you think about this um i don't want this to get too granular in the basketball scope so i'm okay with this because i also really want to go to europe and my big thing is if i ever do decide to get married if that ever happens that's a thing in my life um and this is unfortunate for future chase's wife um that I've already decided on where I would on honeymoon and it would be Bruges. Bruges is like, and I was wondering if you went there because Bruges, Belgium is uh, my, my, just number one on my bucket list. That's so, what I want.
0: So I went to Amsterdam, which isn't obviously the same thing, but I, I got to say it, it's it's in the, they're cousins. They're, they're mm. know, like, I, I love Amsterdam. Like the, the food, the vibe, just how laid back it is. It's almost like Bizarro Vegas where, um you know, like... <laughs> There's obviously some things there that, that aren't normal for, for most cities. Uh, but like, it, it just kind of this weird, like, doesn't feel like you're in reality type place. And, um, it was fun. It was a fun trip. Uh, it was a little hard getting back to reality, but, um, I'm trying now and look, training camps are on the corner. Uh, I'm going to Hawaii in three weeks and and I'm excited for that. Oh, that's
1: unfortunate. Hate to see it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Unbelievable. You just like, yeah, I'm really getting back in the swing of things, back on the grind. Uh oh, by the way, I'm going to Hawaii in a couple <laughs> weeks. <laughs> that was a cat. That was a casual I slipped that in there. Yeah, that was that was great. Um fuck you, Jovan. <laughs> um <laughs> Um so there's there uh, actually before we even get into the other stuff, you mentioned that you you wrote about today, the the different lineups that the Clippers are going to run. And I think we've spent a lot of time trying to figure out who the Lakers closing five is. But the Clippers closing five, I think is just as interesting because I don't know if it's Trezel at the five. Is it Harrell at the five? Like, what is your gut telling you about what Doc is is going to run? I mean, I know it's probably going to change as the year goes on. And they're going to experiment and do different stuff. But like, if you had to guess on opening night, who's their closing five?
0: Well, opening night will be tough because I don't think Paul George will be back. Um, oh, but if, right. you, if you're yeah. saying when when Paul George is back and assuming everyone's mm-hmm. healthy, um. Right now, uh, the, the lineup I went with is uh, Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Montrez Harrell. So a bit of a smaller hmm. lineup. Um you're going pretty small in the backcourt with Pat and Lou. Uh, you know, going with Paul and Kawhi in the front court and, and then Trez at center. Uh, but now that is based on the trends from last season where you know the, the be, so before the trade deadline, the Clippers often went with Pat, Lou, Tobias, Gallo, and Trez. So this would just be a souped up version of that, of replacing Tobias and Gallo with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, obviously two big upgrades. Um, but then after the trade deadline, once Tobias was gone, they often went with Landry or Shea, a three guard lineup um, with Gallo and, and then Trez. So really like he was, Doc was kind of always closing with Pat, Lou, and Trez. So that's why I kind of have them as the incumbent closers. And then obviously Paul and Kawhi. But my hottest take, which I've been saying lately. So I actually have a hottest take on Lou Williams. Um, I think he might be the one who doesn't close. And you could actually see a p- backcourt of like Pat and Landry closing instead, just because. The past two seasons, Lou's shot creation has been so valuable for this team. Like, you know, really after both back to back trade deadlines, the Clippers lost Blake Griffin and Tobias Harris and went from having Lou as this sort of super sub six man to really the go to number one guy. And since Blake left, this team has been starless. You know, they haven't had an all star. And Lou has kind of been that guy. Even with Daniel Gallinari and Tobias Harris around, you know, he was. Averaging more points, taking more shots, being the crunch time closer. I just don't see that being the case, obviously, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on this roster. So to me, it's like Lou loses a lot of value uh, because his shot creation is now a lot less valuable. At best, he's the third option, but I could see scenarios in which Landry or Trez kind of replaces him as the third option, depending on what the Clippers are doing offensively around Kawhi and Paul George. So... Then you get into the defensive side, and it's like Lou Williams is one of the worst defenders uh, in the NBA, especially at the guard position. And you know, not only is he short at six foot one, but he's about a buck sixty. So you know, he he's short and he's slight. And you, you think of other guys kind of in a similar mold, like even a guy like Steph Curry is at least six foot three. He has long arms, and I think he's deceptively strong, where he can actually kind of body some guys and has become a. At least average defender, if not above average, but teams will ruthlessly pick on Lou Williams. Like Doc has talked about it, you know, Lou doesn't really talk about it, but D- Doc will openly talk about like you know we know teams you know game plan for Lou. They they try to target him. If you watch the Clippers late in games, teams will try to post them up, run pick and rolls at him, run floppy actions, um, you know, along the baseline to to kind of get him on switches and different stuff and. You know, Lou is a a big defensive liability. So my take for next season is because now the Clippers have Kawhi and Paul George, two guys who are all NBA, you know, top 10 guys, they don't really need Lou Williams, like inefficient shot creation to, you know, to to kind of get by at the end of games. So you're basically turning him into the third option and a, a spot up shooter, a bystander to Kawhi and PG, you know, in those moments So to me, that's where guys like Pat Beverly and and Landry Shaman are actually more valuable. Like they're, you know, Pat is a three and D point guard. Landry is, I think, already one of the 10 best shooters in the league uh, and, and actually showed in the playoffs that he could defend Steph Curry reasonably well. And, you know, that that was one series. It was a set of six games, like very small sample size. But I think Landry is much more in the three and D mold than Lou Williams is. So I don't think, you know, Lou needs the ball. And I just don't think he's going to have the ball or, or have that sort of same role. And, and then defensively, he's just such a liability that I, I don't think you know his shot creation kind of makes up for it in this new context of the Clippers, you know, kind of dynamic. So to me, it would not surprise me at all if the the kind of most used closing lineup ends up being Trez, Kawhi, Paul George, Landry, and Pat.
1: Interesting, because I think. My gut would be, and I'm glad you're with me on Landry Shaman because I'm a big Landry Shaman guy, and I think he has to be in the closing five no matter what. Um, And it would not be Lou Will that I would leave out. It would be Pat Bev because like what you're talking about where he's not a number one option in in crunch time anymore, but I think Kawhi will end up bringing... Bringing the ball up a lot, anyway, kind of like what he did um in the finals. Like he was the one when they really needed a shot, he would take the ball up. I mean, you had Pascal who could bring it up What's if need be. You had Kyle Lowry if you wanted to Van Fleet. You had different guys, and I think the Clippers are in the same situation where you have multiple guys who can bring the ball up, and it could be Lou, Kawhi, Landry, Paul George, whoever. Um, I think they're in a similar role like that. They don't have their own Pascal Siakam, but I would lean. I mean, I guess it depends on how the game's going, but I would probably lean lou landry george Kawhi, and uh harrell i think i would still have lou out there and i would just bank on the defense around him and the defense on uh on the wing and just think that he will he'll survive i i would still go with lou in the crunch time i i don't know pat bev crunch time scares me
0: my so my my only counter or like pushback on that which look, I, I think it's also going to be a case by case basis because yeah. there were some games in which, you know, Do- doc sometimes went with like Shay and Landry and was offense defense substituting Pat and Lou, um, you know, and like on offense, that's probably going to happen you again, you bring in Lou and then de- when they need a defense, you bring in Pat and you know, it really was a game by game kind of basis. But like on average, it typically was Pat and Lou. Um, my only thing is, I think if you go Lou and Landry, which th- that is one of the backcourts in in one of the lineups I talk about in my piece. Um the, the only concern there is like the defense, right? Like for as you know, I, I don't know how much you watched of the Clippers Warriors series like I, I thought a lot, the yeah. Clippers shifting Landry onto Steph was maybe their best adjustment outside of starting Jermichael Green over Evitz Zubats, like you know, if you look at Steph's numbers with Landry on him, like Landry did a really impressive job and it was so surprising just because he hadn't really like had those types of defensive performances in the regular season, like he wasn't a bad defender necessarily, but he was you, you know he was a rookie shooting guard playing rookie shooting guard defense, and for him to step up against arguably the best overall offensive player in the league, like definitely the best shooter, but like in that conversation, um, and you look at the the first game, the way Steph kind of destroyed the Clippers. I mean, he destroyed Pat. He he destroyed. Garrett Temple, he destroyed like everyone that the Clippers put on him had no, you know, prayer of, of defending him. Um like Landry came in and kind of shut him down to an extent and did a really impressive job. So, I don't know if that's replicable. You know, that might just be a when it's the playoffs and I have to lock in like I could do that. I don't know if Landry could do that over 82 games. So, I just wonder like again, it's going to de- it's going to be very case by case like matchup dependent, but if you're playing Portland I don't know if you really want to put Kawhi and Paul George, like, like I think you almost want to save Kawhi and Paul George more for wings and not have to exert them on like small guards. So like, yeah, if you're playing, you know, if I'm playing Portland and they have Dame and CJ, I want Pat on one of those two. And then yeah. sure. Maybe I put Kawhi or Paul George on the other one. And, yeah. and then one of those guys is kind of resting. But mm-hmm. if I'm going Lou and Landry on those two, I just, you know, I think that that's, you're kind of at a disadvantage there. So I mean, you could probably get look you could probably get away with it against the lakers right like the yeah. lakers don't have great guards um so again it's, it's probably matchup based but my only concern with those two together would just be the defense
1: yeah that's fair you know what um i think we just need to get Shay uh, shea alexander back on this team because then it solves all the problems
0: man he's gonna be a star i think he's gonna be really good
1: i just hate that he and shamit didn't get to play with each other long term because the numbers with those two on the floor together, just those two were very promising. I wrote about them this summer of like the way people talk about Trey and Kevin Herter is the way I talk about Shea Gilch Alexander and Andrew Shamet. Like I those two I think just had backcourt duo of the future written all over them and just the way they played and what they were good at. They were just so different and it just it worked. And I think if you God what a bloodbath if you still had Shay with this group. I just I don't know how you ever score in crunch time in that situation
0: yeah no i mean um and no disrespect so, to pat
1: bev but shea gilders alexander <laughs> was really rounding into like oh this he's going to be a dude especially like in that warrior series
0: and, and the other guy we haven't talked about that much um who i think is going to factor into all this and could potentially get some crunch time reps Zubac. Is oh no oh <laughs> there you well, there you go um no look i, I think zubats like I think the Clippers have a lot of interesting um, lineup decisions with, with the big men because I think you could honestly make a case Zubots, Trez, or Jermichael Green. Like I think all three are pretty similar levels. I'd probably say Trez is the best of the three, but in the playoffs, Jermichael Green uh, w- w- was their best bit. Ba- well, him versus Trez was pretty close, but like the, the numbers bore out that the offense was so much better with Jermichael Green out there as kind of a five-out system. Um, you know, Jamichael, uh, I think is going to get paid next summer for whatever reason, the market kind of cooled on him. But I I think on a much more aggressive market next summer with not a lot of talent, he's going to get paid. Um, Trez kind of, you know, his resume speaks for himself, like, you know, the third place, uh, finisher and sixth man of the year. Um, you know, I I think he's obviously, you know, probably the best all around big man on this team. And then Zubats, I think people are sleeping on Zubats. Like there was this overreaction almost like when they got him of like, Oh, they screwed over the Lakers. Lakers are so stupid. Blah blah blah. Like almost overrating him, and then as he played kind of worse and worse throughout the season, and then eventually got benched in the playoffs. Like there was a overcorrection of just like, oh, he sucks. You know, he's he's worthless. You know, he he shouldn't. He's not that good. He he shouldn't be playing. Like, and it's like no, like this, this dude. Look at his rim protection numbers. Look at his defensive numbers. Look at his rebounding numbers. Like this guy is. At the very worst, like a low-end starter, high-end backup, in my opinion. Um, And I I just think that he's working on his three-point range. I don't know if he actually adds that in or if that's something like, you know, you never know with those things if players can actually add them into their game. But Zubats, uh, you know, again, also last season, was dealing with hand issues. He had a, a torn ligament in one hand and a broken finger in the other it kind of messed up his ability to catch the ball. He just dropped a lot of passes and and it just kind of looked really weird, but a lot of people just didn't know he was dealing with hand issues. So uh, I think if his hands are healthy, he's catching the ball, doing basic things like that. Like he's going to be very effective. And uh, I think people are, went from overrating him to underrating him. I think there'll be a course correction, uh, next season.
1: Yeah. And it, uh, it should be interesting to to monitor. Um, I'm excited about watching the Clippers. Do you still have the measure favorite to win the title? Because I do.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, my, my my one fear with them is I think that there's a chance their regular season uh, doesn't go as like op- Like, I think on paper, if this team was healthy, if you told me this team was like reasonably healthy, like you know, top eight nine guys playing seventy plus games, um, you know, and and all that stuff, like. I think this is a 61 team. I think this team probably has the best record, even despite being in the West. And I think the the, 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 the at least the one, one or two seed in the West, like clearly one of the best, like three teams in the league. The problem is Paul George could miss a month or more. Uh, Kawhi Leonard could rest 10 to 20 games. And I think that can mess with their record. And it would not surprise me if they end up being in that like 50 to 53 win range, which in the West, could be like a four or five seed. And and then if you're a four or five seed, you're potentially playing, uh, you know, two series on the road to just get to the finals at which point, like you're, you know, that's potentially six or seven game series. And by the time you get to the finals, you're, you're more tired. So like I would still pick them even on the road and basically every series, unless another team makes a big move. Uh, I just wonder if, you know, being in their first season together, the collective toll of of having to potentially play one or two, you know, maybe two series on the road. Like it is kind of a, there's a reason why like home court advantage has historically mattered. Like if you look at the, you know, teams that win a championship, it's usually a top three seed. It's very rarely, you know, uh, fourth seed or or worse. So for me, like it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they balance all of that. You know, when Paul George comes back, how much Kawhi rests, like all that stuff is really going to matter because of both on court chemistry and their record. Like you, I don't think people can, you, you can't punt on the regular season. Not that they're going to, but um, you know, Especially Kawhi rests 20 games. I don't know what the record is going to be w- w- without Kawhi in those 20 games. Like I don't think they're going to be 17 and five like the Raptors were uh, playing in the East. So I, I'm very intrigued to see kind of how that all plays out with the rest thing, all that stuff in the regular season. Because um, if they're not careful. I think they could slip further than they probably should in the West, in which case their road to the finals would be much tougher.
1: Yeah. I mean, the West is, is a hodgepodge of a lot of good teams. There's nine to 10 really good teams. And, um, yeah i guess i don't know it's hard to forecast like guys sitting and what the situation will be like in january and everything else so um i don't know it will be interesting to monitor especially like starting out of the gate without paul george um not a lot of room for for air and a lot of missed games between like but i guess if you had to if you had to guess between who misses more games anthony davis and lebron combined this year or Kawhi and paul george because i would still go anthony davis and lebron and that's part of the reason why i think there's just no chance the lakers can really contend is i think they're going to struggle just to get in the playoffs because those guys are gonna miss games anthony davis has never played a full season lebron missed 30 games and i understand they're getting all jumped up and everything else but they have no depth either and like we talk about depth issues on the clippers but not even close to what the lakers are dealing with so i just they don't have a lot of room for air and i i i don't know who who misses more games but my gut and instincts tell me lakers
0: i'm actually gonna go clippers
1: Mm. um I think,
0: you know, I, I, I've heard Paul will probably miss the first like two to four weeks of the season. Um, I know Kevin O'Connor, the Ringer, reported he's hurt up to six weeks. Uh, so that that would take him from like 12 to 22 games. And then that's I, – I would not be surprised if Paul adapted his own version of load management. Like, you know, he, he's coming off double shoulder surgeries. He's obviously had the leg injury, um, you know, in 2014 that was so devastating for him so like he's not getting to an age you know 28 29 where you know he's still smack dab in his prime but you know once you hit early 30s like you got to be very careful with your body so i would not be surprised if he ends up maybe he misses like 15 games and then sits out another five to ten and then with Kawhi, like who knows like he he said he in his introductory press conference that he's not going to rest but I mean, I don't think he's going to come out and say, I'm resting 20 games again either. So I, I don't really know what to believe there. Like if you put the over under at, at like eight, I would for sure take the over. You put it at 10, that, that's kind of close for me. But if Paul misses 20 games and Kawhi misses 10 or 12, like what's what, 32, 30, 32? 32. I mean, maybe the Lakers miss more than that, but that that's probably going to be close to what the Lakers miss. So I don't know. I, I guess I would take the Clippers just erring on the side of caution. But um, Um, yeah, like it's going to be, that's going to play into the whole battle LA thing. And I'm interested to see how how that all plays out.
1: I'm sure it's going to be very civil, normal, and everybody's going to have a great time. (laughs) Of course. What do you think about Joe Johnson signing with the Pistons?
0: Uh, it's funny. Um, it's funny that Joe Johnson can get signed, but Carmelo Anthony can't. Uh, obviously there's many reasons why that is, but I mean, just on pure, Pure talent, ability, and production. Like I think Melo's the better player. Just obviously, all the other stuff would, would favor Joe. But um, I forgot who made this point. Um, you know, probably multiple people have. But like Joe's been out of the league for two years for a reason. Like I don't know if you remember him on Houston, but that was not an NBA player, right? Um, on, on the Houston Rockets a couple years ago. So like you know, him playing up against washed up, retired players in the Big Three is like it's fun to watch, but I just wonder how that can actually translate. And look, the Pistons, like the Pistons probably need it. Like the, the Pistons are, are so bad on the wings that like, sure. You like why not? Two starters a, a, right now?
1: Who would you guess the two stars in the wing is? Do you know off the top of your head?
0: Uh, Luke Kennard. Nope. And no,
1: no, he was a SVG guy. He didn't uh, start in Dwayne Casey's, uh, Detroit Pistons lineup.
0: Uh, I'm saying like like from you're saying from last
1: season? No, I'm saying or like right now. Who is we'll penciled start in as their two starting wings? Uh, sure, 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 sure.
0: I know I know one of them that I'm blanking right now that I know when you say it it's going to bother me but the other I'll one I'll give you one. Know. So I guess okay, Tony Snell. Okay, that's not the <laughs> that's one That's not the one, one you
1: thinking. were thinking of? the second so one
0: there's the random one
1: yeah no the other uh, one very random doesn't seem like a real nba player that's someone you made out of 2k bruce brown
0: okay that that was actually the one i was thinking like i was not i could like his name wasn't fit my tongue uh but not tony St- uh, yeah i mean that's really bad
1: <laughs> that's awful
0: <laughs> yeah i mean I, I've i been trying, I've been going back and forth on like the worst rosters in the league. Like I've, I've just,
1: it's just been oh, one of my save, like random things. I've been, it's the Wizards.
0: No, but so okay. So we've had this, we've had this talk before because I think it's the Hornets, but yeah. I mean the Wizards. So you take, you take, okay. If you take the best player off every team and then did it, it's a hundred percent the Wizards and it's not even close. I guess I just wonder if for me, what I struggle is with is like, is Bradley Beal like better than Miles Bridges, Nick Batum, and Terry Rozier combined? And I kind of want to say yeah. Like I don't know. Like I, I just I feel like with Bradley Beal they'll probably be like a they're probably perform at like a 500ish level.
1: No, 500?
0: East. No, 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 no. I'm not saying their record. I'm saying like what? Okay, let me let me reclarify that.
1: Oh my god! Uh, before,
0: before I regret this. Okay, I'm saying like. When he's on the court, I think like their net rating, how they play could be 500 ish. Like with him on the court, I think with him off the court, it's going to be the worst team in the league like by far. So uh, maybe that evens out where they are. The worst but team you got to think league. of the minutes. The like, they're going to are... get
1: murdered on those minutes without him. I think, like, but
0: I don't think the Hornets are that far behind. Like the
1: like, Hornets have smart basketball players. I don't think the Hornets are going to have
0: good minutes. That's the thing. Is like Bradley Beal will play what 34, 35 minutes, and and the rest they'll get absolutely destroyed like mm-hmm. the hornets i think are just gonna get absolutely destroyed i don't see the good uh, like i don't know who if they have I, someone i would say is an above average player
1: oh like, i mean th- I, I think, think cody hornets zeller when he's healthy is above average i think marvin williams is very average i still like my like if Bridges. those are your
0: two best players
1: like well, what on. i'm saying is like none of those are young guys that's the other thing that's the other reason i don't have the hornets as the worst team is that they're not going to play any young guys like malik monk is probably going to play a little bit but it's really gonna be terry here vet Batum, vet, MKG vet, Dwayne Bacon. Um, you can tell me he's in year eight, and I believe you. Um, Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller, uh, Hernan Gomez. Like they just have a bunch of guys who are going to be good enough to not be the worst team in basketball. They have too many vets. I would never pick a team that's littered with vets as the worst team in basketball.
0: Yeah, and and the other, um, like the other sort of factor with this is is. Bradley Buell's future with the Wizards of if he gets traded or not, like you know that that probably looms. Um, you got to think some team will get desperate and offer a huge, you know, offer for him, and it would not surprise me if he's traded by the trade deadline. So, I mean, if you told me Bradley Buell was off the team, I'd, I'd definitely pick the Wizards. Um, I, think the Cav, I, mean, the, I think the Cavs. I mean, I think the Cavs are really are bad. bad. Uh, I think I think the Grizzlies are terrible.
1: Um, like you know i really are going to sneak into like an amazing trio after this I, year. because I like, like ja they have a really good I shot at like the worst record and if you have john morant and i love jaron jackson like just that building block alone and then whoever they stumble into in the if they get number one oof
0: no yeah uh i i mean i think jaron and, and jaws is an amazing pick and uh, pop know, yeah co- yeah pick and pop and, and just kind of those two is your foundation. Like you're, you're set. I, I think, you know, you, you do need to probably one more piece. Like you I was said, gonna say, but I don't
1: think they're set. I think they, cause I don't think either of them. I, mean, guys... I think like I, I'm
0: high on J Jar- like, I think Jaron Jackson, I think, I mean, potential all-star uh, that, that yeah, would surprise sure. me. And then I think jaw, like, you know, we, we've, we'll see kind of his trajectory, but he does have some of that, like wall Westbrook in him. And yeah. if, if you have, you know, I, I don't want I don't want to say Sharon Jackson's like Kevin Garnett, but like if you have if if you have like John Wall and Chris Bosh as, as your two kind of foundation pieces, like you're you're in pretty good shape.
1: For sure, and they're in good shape because they're going to be awful again this year. So they'll get another high draft pick, and they can really put this thing together. Um, yeah, I um, it's interesting. That as we were talking, I saw that because I pull up the depth charts and everything. And Mitch Ch- Cupcheck said at 6:58. Um, the team is transitioning from a team built around a superstar to a team built around young players. Who are the young players they're going to build around?
0: Malik Monk? Well, well, ac- according to Mitch, uh, Terry Rozier would have been a lottery pick in-, in one of the worst drafts of the millennium. So, uh, clearly Terry Rozier is also in that mix. Um, God. you know, a, if they a lottery see him as a pick in a foundational piece, draft.
1: Jesus Christ. Like I, oh, that's I, still I tra- just the most I was depressing to situation. Think of
0: the amount of money that I wouldn't consider Terry Rozier a bad contract at, and uh, I guess like you can maybe talk me into like ten million, but eleven or more, I think that's a bad contract. And they went up to eighteen, so or $18.5. For me, it's not money; that's it's just fit.
1: This is the wrong fit. Like he should not have his own team. Terry is here, and it's hard when you're a guy like Terry because I'm sure he he believes he can be a top 10, 15 point guard in this league. It's not going to happen. He needs to accept his Chris Dunn status and just be a really good backup, like a well, third If guard. he's
0: Chris Dunn, then he's definitely not worth eighteen million. No, absolutely, <laughs> I mean, not. Chris. Chris Dunn's about to have his second team give up on him.
1: Yeah. Um, he's not starting, right? Like, there's like he shouldn't really play. Like, if you have Sadoransky and Kobe White, I don't know why Chris Dunn should play.
0: I don't even know if he's going to
1: play. I am team Saturansky till the end of time. And I still will never forgive Scott Brooks for playing Ty Lawson over Saturansky in the playoff series.
0: Like, with... with, uh, I mean, my my thing with Rogier is, like, I just don't know... What I don't like contracts where it's, like, who were you bidding against? And, like, it's one thing if you give him... Like, I almost think it's it's impossible at this point to do, like, a bad two-year deal. Like, you know, obviously... Like, I mean of course, within reason, but like if they'd given him two years, 36 million, sure. Like, you know, whatever. I don't love that deal. I still think it's kind of bad, but like whatever you gambled a couple of years, like, you know, inflation, whatever. But to give him three years, 58 is just like, I just don't see any world in which like that level of money is a above, you know, average to above average starting point So Like you just said, like you're saying he's, like the 15th best or better point guard in you know the league and I I just don't see any scenario in which he's in that realm like I see at best he's a low-end starter but most likely he's you know I'd probably put him in that like 30 to 35 range at which point you're worth like 8 to 10 million and I just don't I mean 18 million plus for a guy who really had like one like a good playoff run and like you know maybe a, a good month or two before that but like outside of that he's not a good playmaker he's not a good shooter i think he's a bit of an overrated defender and all he did after the season was go on you know first take and complain about how much he sacrificed when he really didn't even play that well in, in his 18 minutes or whatever a night which you know maybe he's one of those guys that like plays better with more minutes i don't, I don't know but like i just think if They're clearly investing in him as their franchise point guard for the next three years, and I I think that's going to be a bad contract. It's going to be not untradeable, but like you're going to have to attach something to him to get rid of it. Uh, I I just think it's it's a really you know like they're they're screwed now. I think where like they're already going to be bad, but like now they're going to be bad bad for the next three years. I, I don't see any way they get out of that.
1: It's good. I mean, the problem with this is like, this is the worst thing to be in if you're a fan. You're like, oh, we're going to find a rebuild. Kimba left, everything else. But this is the wrong front office to rebuild with. Like, I don't want Mitch Kupchak in 2019 rebuilding my roster. The, like, he signed Terry Rozier. He does a lot of bad moves. He's the one who gave Lou Dang and Timothy Moskov their contracts. Like, this is not who you want like he's the worst general manager in basketball right now um so good news for body bivak is that he has mitch kupchak back in this league but i i don't know it's it's more dire like the wizards are just adding like guy after guy to their front office i think they have a total of 73 people now after it just being the grunfeld show for 15 years they just keep hiring people um for made-up positions. I love the new titles for all this kind of stuff. And, I mean, you covering the Clippers. Like, what is um, Lee Jenga's title in, in LA? What is it? Uh,
0: Director of Research and Identity.
1: Okay. Whatever that means. Like, if he, if I, we got him on the horn right now, what would he say is his job? How would he describe what he does? How, what that title uh, I, actually means? I, I don't know if he'd answer. He probably would not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he'd do it. He seems to be like a very nice person. We're not attacking you, Lee. We're just no, saying, no, Lee, I don't Lee's know what that title best. means. Um... But yeah, sad news in, in Clipperland or not in Clipperland in, uh, Hornet land. Would you, this is still some pissing stuff that I want to get your opinion on because we, I think we've talked about this and as, uh, the two biggest Blake Griffin supporters in the world, um, watched a lot of Blake last year, loved seeing him develop a three point shot, Loved seeing him dribble, love just where he's at right now. And I hope the health continues and that he's, uh, he stays healthy and on the court, um, would you trade drummond if it meant like you could get off the reggie jackson contract but you had to include drummond what do you do Do, would you still believe in that uh twin tower approach or no (laughs) i wouldn't either and it seems like they like playing with each other and the the numbers aren't bad i just i don't want my two best players to be bigs that should never be the case yeah
0: i mean I, i think there's like you know, like the like the potential what the the rumored uh, Pelicans Sixers trade of like you know putting Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid together. Like, I, I think there are obviously exceptions to every right. rule. If they're like but,
1: both top five,
0: but that that's not you know the, the case. With, with this. And yeah, I'm I'm kind of out on Andre Drummond. Um, I think that like I, I just I I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think he he's kind of like hit his ceiling of like i guess fringe but it's like fringe all-star but like fringe east all-star and like I, i think he's he's probably better overall than people than most people give him credit for especially in like the national media and stuff but i also just don't think like him and blake i mean you even saw like i i felt like you know peak deandre was at least on drummond's level if not you Know a little bit better, you know, better defender, uh, similar level rebounder. And, and you know, I guess offensively, Dr- Drummond's probably the better overall player, but, um, like, you know, there, there's a clear limit. And now, Blake is, you know, as you just kind of said, like, he's extended his range, he, he's much more of a perimeter player now. Like, he can actually shoot at a, at a pretty decent level, um, if not pretty good level. Uh, and you know, he's busting out these, like, behind the back, step back threes and crossing guys up and all this stuff. Like it's fun to watch, but uh, I still think like you ultimately, like you want Blake playing inside, you know, still to, to a healthy uh, amount. And I just don't think like uh, a kind of paint bound big, like Drummond is is kind of the best fit for him. So, um, I mean, I don't know what Detroit's going to do. I don't know what you could get for Drummond and Jackson together, Uh, it's, that's also, I think a very bleak situation, um, similar to, to Charlotte, you know, not, not as bad as Charlotte, but they're almost worse. And to the extent that like Charlotte, at least could get some, some high draft picks in the next few years, like Detroit might just kind of be in that eight to 10 range for, for the next two or three years, if they're not careful,
1: but that's and, what they want. They have a new arena. But that's what they, they need want. need to sell tickets. Like, they need to be in the but, playoffs. But I guess like
0: if you're a fan, if you're a fan, or if you're like trying to advise them objectively, like you probably would say, like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, why are you? You're just gonna waste the next three years being like the seventh or eighth seed every year. And like, cool, make the playoffs. You get that extra few million. But you're gonna get swept or losing five games every series. And like, what? Are, what are you really doing? You're not really building anything. Like, they, they don't have a, a good young core. They barely even have a young core. And I, I just don't really know what the direction of the franchise is. Like, five like five years from now, what do the Pistons look like? I have no idea.
1: I think the plan, if I had to guess, of what they're trying to do is they want to be a playoff team for the next five years. Um, at least three. Until Blake Griffin's contract runs out. Um, and then they'll transition. Because essentially, like, it, they were struggling in the draft anyway. Like, Stanley Johnson of the world, they were missing on a lot of guys. And now they want to get that revenue. They have a new arena, all that kind of stuff. They're back downtown. They are just trying to be a good, respectable basketball team again for a couple of years. And then I think they don't really have like any of these albatross contracts. And I think if they just be a playoff team for a couple of years and then Blake leaves and then Drummond leaves and, and, you just kind of reset from there. I don't think it would be that difficult. Um, it, it, it's a different conversation entirely if you think this is the right front office to do that. Um, they also have a very complicated front office with different figureheads, and it's kind of hard to figure out who's calling the shots. It might be Ed Stefanski. I don't even really know right now, but um, I I don't know. They're fine. It's just whatever. Like They're a playoff team for the next couple of years, and if they can flip Drummond for something interesting, um, maybe they're a little bit better. Maybe they're a four seed, because there's a lot of teams... Like right after the Bucks and the um, and the Sixers, it's wide open um, unless you're like me and are a big proponent of the Indiana Pacers, who I still think are one <clears> the East <throat> next year. Especially if that stuff with the Jalen Brown for Miles Turner keeps picking up, um, picking up a little bit of I don't know it. Whatever, what is the expression? Picking up some speed? I don't know. Steve. Um Steam, that's the word. I was blanking on Steam. Um, yeah, I, I'm still very pro-Victor Oladipo, and I'm very pro that group in Malcolm Brogdon. I think that's just going to be an amazing backcourt. And I don't know if you've seen who's starting at the two for the Bucks this season, but um, Wesley Matthews in 2019 is pinned as a starter for this Bucks team. So not the best offseason for Milwaukee. And I'm still not a believer in the Sixers until I really see it. But you are someone who has covered... And watched a lot of Tobias Harris, especially at the first part of last year, where he was the primary creator in Clipperland. Do you think he could occupy that same space to what Jimmy Butler did and what he did in the beginning of um, twenty eighteen with Los Angeles?
0: Uh, not at Jimmy Butler's level, um, and, and not really close to that. Uh, I do think that Tobias is probably, you know, when people when people are having these conversations, they just kind of gloss over him. And it's a lot of like, well, they might have to, you know, have Josh Richardson do a bunch. Or like, well, now Ben Simmons is kind of showing a jumper. So like, I guess he, you know, might have that. And I think Tobias, Tobias can do it. And he probably, or, you know, maybe not probably, but like arguably is the best at doing that within their starting lineup or, or maybe their team. Um, I just, Tobias is a very, He's very like he's kind of a very structured player where I feel like, you know, almost the exact opposite of like a Lou Williams where like Lou, Lou, you don't need to run a set. You don't need to run an action like Lou will just like, you know, improvise on the fly. doesn't matter who's defending him. He will find a way to get a shot up even if it's not a great shot like he'll, he'll just do it like Tobias is way more like mechanical where you can tell like he's thinking things through. You know, he, he needs things a certain way. He needs the ball in certain spots to, to kind of be more effective. So I guess if, if you're just talking purely like someone who can just create out of anything and any situation, that's probably not him. But if if you are going to run your offense a certain way and, and put him in certain spots where he's more comfortable, I do think that, you know, he, he showed with the Clippers, like he, he was basically their primary option uh, before he was traded. He was a fringe all-star. And he did that in the West. And I think, you know, doing that in the East, it will, will be much easier, especially when you have a guy like Joel Embiid next to you. Um, so I'm actually buying Sixer stock right now. Uh, the more I think about it, the more convinced I, I like this team. I just think if anything, like their size is going to be so bothersome for so many people. Like I think defensively, they're going to be, uh, you know, a monster team. Uh, offensively, like they will miss JJ. They will miss Jimmy. Wouldn't surprise me if they're a little worse offensively, but really the, I think the ability to stagger like Joel and, and Al in the playoffs is going to be huge where like there should not be one minute. They don't have Joel Embiid or Al Horford on the court and, and having those two as your, as your primary bigs, like at all times, I think that's just scary. Um, you know, reducing Al's role a little bit, I think will help him. You, if you see playoff Horford with the Sixers, that's going to be incredibly scary. Um, I really like Josh Richardson I don't love their depth. I still think they're they're probably a piece or two short at the back end of the rotation. But I, I'm starting to think I I think Philly's probably going to come out of the East. Uh,
1: what if the Jalen for Sabonis or Turner trade happens? Would you still be opposed to the, the Pacers making it through?
0: Um, with the Pacers, it's more of like. I mean, look, like we we talked, we we went on. I was with you on that tangent of like, I really like the Pacers. Like, I think they're probably, the, like, for me, the thing is like, when, when is Oladipo back, and and how long does it take him to get back to normal, right? Like, because we always we always kind of protect like, okay, well, he's back in December, so like from December on, the Pacers are going to be this good. But it's like, okay, well, is he back December third or is he back December 27th? And th- there's a huge difference in that. And then on top of that, like. Is he back to himself within a week or two or is he back to himself within a month, a month and a half? Um, so I think that's really going to swing their their regular season and, and their playoff record or playoff seeding. But with them, I'm just like, who who's the second guy, right? Like, and I, I like Brogdon. I don't know if he's ready to be a number two. Like, even when he was the number two in Milwaukee, they had a Middleton. They had a Bledsoe around him where, like, he kind of ha- – obviously honest, but, like, he had this kind of support where, like, he was stepping up from, like, the fourth or fifth guy in the pecking order to, like, the number two. Whereas in Indiana, he's kind of the number two. I mean, then – but if you have it, – it's different having, you know, Bledsoe, Middleton versus, like, T.J. Warren and Jeremy Lamb, I, I think. So, to me, I guess I, – I think defensively with, with, with Turner, especially if they get Brown, um, with Oladipo, with Brogdon, like, they have some pretty good defensive pieces where, like, I have no real issues with their defense. For me, it's more the offense of, like, unless Oladipo is, like, at an – all nba like borderline first team level which he's shown he can get to but like he has to be there like basically all the time if he's not at that level i I just don't really see who else on this team i really trust to step up as that number two person like i I almost feel like they're missing another piece that kind of moves everybody down and look maybe that's jalen brown maybe that trade happens and like he he kind of evolves into a different level but i do kind of feel like they're one of those teams that needs another piece to move everyone down, to peck, you know, kind of in that pecking order.
1: Yeah, i I just I can't quit it. I can't shake the feeling. <laughs> and as you know, um, I did call the Raptors winning the title before it happened last season on this very podcast. You did, I did, and I'm gonna stick my my biggest take that I'm going to. Ride with until till it does not happen is the Pacers making the NBA Finals this year. So I'm, I'm not moving off this island. Um, Why are people high on Orlando? I'm seeing this a lot I more now. I don't
0: get it. I don't either. Um, what is I feel this? like it's like potentially a continuity thing. And mm. like maybe, I don't know, like maybe Isaac or Gordon takes another step um, you know, Mo is going to be coming back. Like I, I don't know. Like I, I don't. I mean, I think for for me, part of it's just like I, I think the East is so bad that, like, I for for me, I guess the team I'm higher on than most people is Brooklyn. Mm. Um, I, I think Brooklyn to me, like, I guess oh, it depends when Odepo comes back, which, which like. I think at their peaks, Indiana's probably the third best team in the East, but because there's so much uncertainty with Oladipo's return, for me, I think it would not surprise me if Brooklyn ends up being the third seed. And I know mo- most people have Boston in there, but to me, Brooklyn, it's like, you know th- they did all this with, you know, without, or, you know, with Karis LeVert being injured for what, over half the year, uh, and really on the back of like D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie, and I just think, the different, there's a big difference between D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving. Like, I I don't want to, you know, overcomplicate it. Like to me, one is a top 15 and and really at his peak, like top 10 guy. And the other is, is somewhere in that like 40 to 50 range. And, and, you know, sometimes better, sometimes worse, but like, I just think there is a big gap between D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie finally chose where he wants to be. We'll see how long he wants to be there, but um, I think Katie being around is going to help. And, uh, I, I just think if you have last season's nets with Kyrie over D'Angelo, a healthy Karis Levert and Jared Allen getting better, um, you know, Joe Harris coming off team USA, uh, you know, Karis and, and Spencer probably both getting better. E- even Deandre who like, I don't think should start or have that big of a role, but just having him as a, is you know, as an overqualified backup or whatever, like, That that I I just think I just really like Brooklyn. I like Kenny, and I think Brooklyn people are. You know, everyone's already thinking about next, you know, the season after with KD. But I I think they're they're going to be better than than people think. I think a lot of people are writing them off.
1: I don't think anybody is like writing them off. I think it's just like this is an outlier. Well, but I've seen
0: some people be like, oh, they're you know they're barely going to make the playoffs. Oh yeah, Kyrie's not that much better than D'Angelo. Like yada yada, all this. I'm like. No, I think there's a huge difference between the two. Uh,
1: I think and that's how I am with the Warriors. Like, the people who and are just I, like, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs. I'm like, what the fuck? I understand like the West is oh, I, complicated, but like, no. To, if you believe me, in Steph Curry at all, like, they still have Steph, they still have Draymond, they have Russell in there. They snuck, like, I don't know how they got Willie Colley Stein. They were able to talk Kevon Looney to come back into a ridiculous deal. Like, there's zero chance they missed the playoffs there. Those two main guys are healthy for the full season.
0: My, uh, my take with the Warriors is, I think, here's my ranking of teams to, to get out, of, most likely to get out of the West. Number one, Clippers. Number two, Lakers. Number three, Warriors. Like, I
1: mm.
0: I take the Warriors over the Jazz or the Nuggets. Uh, I just think, you know, look, like, that's the caveat that Clay's going to come back at some point, whether that's February, whether that's March, whether that's maybe even like April, right before the playoffs. And that he's like 70 ish percent or, or better. T- give me the Warriors over anyone else, because, or, you know, outside of the the two LA teams, because I just think, st- I think Steph's about to have a monster bounce back year in terms of like going back to that like 15, 16 ish level. Uh, I think Draymond is going to have a, a, his own bounce back year of like, I think everyone is, is going to kind of have that chip on their shoulder of like, no one believes in us. You know, not only do we lose KD, but like Clay's out. You know, everyone's writing us off as, as like not only not a title th- threat, but barely a playoff team, like you just said. And you know, I think D'Angelo is going to have his own chip on his shoulder, where he's kind of playing for potentially his next team. Um, and I think D'Angelo is going to be really good in that Golden State system. Uh, I don't love their depth, uh, especially on the wings, where like you're now getting into like Alec Burks and. Uh, you know glenn robinson the third and like
1: they're Jordan just Poole. like
0: yeah it's it's not great but i do like the cavon looney willie collie stein pairing uh i think though when, when you like those two plus draymond clay d'angelo steph like there's enough there where like i would still take that in the playoff series over utah or denver and i know those are the two flavors of the month where everyone's you know top two seeds and one of those teams is gonna make the conference finals and this and that but like i just i I would still take the warriors
1: i think there's a real chance the nuggets slide down significantly this year but i am i'm more bullish on the jazz than i am the nuggets is that fair yeah okay
0: i'm i'm actually more bull it's tough it's tough i go back and forth um because i i'm not as big on donovan mitchell as most people are Mm -hmm. um i think he's a little overrated and uh just just in terms of like his his efficiency and like his output i I view him more as a number two option where i think everyone's trying to force him as a number one i do think mike conley though is going to help them a lot Uh, i like their depth um you know bogdanovich as your fourth option is is pretty nuts uh but yeah i guess like I, i Jokic is my guy so it's hard for me to go against denver but I am pretty fifth like I'm like fifty-one, forty-nine, I guess, towards Denver, but I, I think Utah's right there. Like it wouldn't surprise me if they're better.
1: Yeah. Um I I just I believe in that group and I I just think the the Nuggets just have team that just did a little too much last year and now falls a little bit back. I'm not saying they're gonna be bad. I just think they're gonna they're gonna be like the fourth or fifth seed this year. And I think the jazz have a real shot at being the second seed. Now I do think it's interesting that Matt Moore had the Rockets at the number one spot in the West. Like you're talking about a team with no depth and like just counting on a lot of games from James Harden and Russell Westbrook, which they're both, um, for the most part been healthy. They can handle large workloads. Um, Dan, Tony wins a lot of regular season games like Budenholzer. He just, that's what he does. And I think that's a fair pick, but, um, I don't know. Like it's not gonna be the any of the LA teams. I think those two teams are not gonna be the best in the West regular season wise, just because like we've talked about, they're just gonna rest their main guys too much. But I do think it's interesting as who jumps in there because if I had to if I had to bet it would be Utah, but I could see the case for um for Houston. What do you think?
0: As number one seed? Yeah. <sighs> I'm out on Houston. Okay. Um, and and the more the more people talk, because I've heard you know like Simmons and and some other people like, oh, I'm talking myself into Houston. Uh, I think even Zach Lowe too. Uh, I just don't, I just don't see it. And I, I think, like, I think I've already made this point on this podcast before, but like, I was prepared had they kept Chris Paul to say Houston was going to be my dark like i was still gonna say I, I think houston's probably the best team in the league and i i felt like this was their shot you know golden state's gone like yes the clippers are good the lakers the, the bucks and sixers are still there but like really golden state was like kind of their one kryptonite with, with just the way they played and, and almost like a better version of the rockets that i you know it would not surprise me if that version of the rockets beat the clippers or the lakers it would have been really interesting to see uh, I think Russell Westbrook is just an, you know, objectively worse fit next to James Harden. He's a worse shooter than Chris Paul. He needs the ball more than Chris Paul does. Uh, he's a worse defender than Chris Paul. And really the only thing he does better than Chris Paul is rebound. And like I guess penetrate, but Russ has become such a bad, you know, shooter and, and decision maker that like I don't know if you want him penetrating as much as he does. So like I, I don't know, like to me. I think, you know, the, the the gap between Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul is much closer than people uh, act like it is. And t- to me, I think the Rockets are worse than you know before they made the trade. And, um, you know, Russell Westbrook might be the worst off-ball superstar in the league if he's still even a superstar. Uh, you know, he's he's been regressing as a three-point shooter, been regressing as a free throw shooter, been regressing as a scorer uh, the last couple of years, and Uh, I just, I I don't think, it just doesn't make sense to me why you would pair those two together. Uh, If I'm wrong, I'll eat crow in April and May. Uh, But, you know, I I do think they'll probably do better in the regular season than they will in the playoffs. So, like, I could see them, I could, I don't see them as number one seed. I'm actually sticking with Denver as my number one Mm. seed where I think they're just like a product of continuity where, like, you know, it's basically the same team and they added Jeremy Grant. And I'm just like, okay, that's like a 55 to 58 win team, probably the one seed, but like I still wouldn't pick them to get out of the second round. Um, but like, if, if you told me Houston's a two or three seed, I guess I see it. I see them more in the four or five range. But if you told me two, three, I, I wouldn't necessarily fight it. Um, but I think they're gonna. It's it like Russell Westbrook is gonna bring that OKCness to Houston, where like now all of a sudden I think they're a candidate to lose in the first round uh, depending on the matchup. And I definitely think they're going to lose in the second round. You know, if they play either LA team or Utah or Denver, I'm picking those four teams over Houston. So I'm pretty out on Houston. I I don't love the fit. Uh, and I I just don't really think it makes sense.
1: If you see on the ticker in February, Eric Bledsoe and talks to get traded to the Lakers for Kuzma and one of their bigger contracts, that's able to get traded. Um, after after the deadline um what do you think would you be surprised because that's the one i've been thinking about a lot of i don't think they're going to go the whole season with this backcourt and i think blood so actually makes a lot of sense for them and i think bucks fans are going to get really annoyed with everything going on there and i could see some kind of flip that ends up with like kuzma and who's a good wing they could put there um avery bradley yeah i said good wing So, um, Quinn Cook,
0: KCP. I I mean, that's I. I really don't love the Lakers' uh, perimeter crop. Um, Yeah, I I could see that. Like, I I do think, as crazy as it sounds, like they just value Kuzma so much, and they treat him like he was the untouchable in the in the AD talks. And it should have been Lonzo. I'd rather have kept Lonzo or Ingram. Like, I, I think yeah. Kuzma, heck, I, I think it's arguable Josh Hart has, has a higher ceiling than, than Kyle Kuzma. Like, Kyle Kuzma, I think we've you know, it's funny, like, some of these things we talk about, like, I have, like, flashbacks to previous points I've, I've made on here, but, I, I mean, Kuzma, like, Kuzma, I think his his peak is, like, good six-man. Like, he, he's a second-unit leader, he gets his fifteen to seventeen points off a bench, and maybe he carves out a role as like a six ten Lou Williams or Jamal Crawford. Like that's kind of his trajectory. Um not maybe unlike a Rudy Gay or like I guess he kind of can develop into like a lower end starter, but I just don't I don't see Kuzma ever being an all star, a fringe all- star, or just like a really good player. Like to me, He's got clear limitations. He's like, he's a decent rebounder. Uh, he's not much of a ball handler, or playmaker, or passer. Um, offensively, he has some limitations. His shooting is pretty inconsistent. And then defensively, like, he's pretty up and down, more down than up. But I, I just don't, I don't see it. And I, I think that Kuzma, you know, is super overrated. Honestly, like, w- what I think it is is like, the dude just like exudes confidence. Um, he's got some of that mamba mentality in him and and we laker fans just love it and and eat it up like he's you know he's he's kind of got some swag and and sometimes like you see it with a guy like Kelly ubre where where you know sometimes you just got swag and, and people gravitate towards it and, and people kind of overrate you because of that because you carry yourself a certain way um so I, that's what i just feel like with Kuzma where it's almost just like uh he's pretty cocky he acts a certain way and and people people like that and sometimes if you act a certain way people are going to believe it and that you know he's kind of built himself he's already calling himself the third star of the team and it's like the, no like you're not but i mean i, I guess we'll, we'll see how that plays out
1: yeah i um i have my doubts and i just think <laughs> it's never a a good basketball strategy to have to uh, have three guys who play two positions and those be critical pieces because I just don't believe that LeBron, Kuzma, and AD will be on the court at the same time in crunch time. I, I We'll see it. We'll have to see how it all looks. But I I just don't think that they can survive like that. And it's just going to be a couple months and they're going to be like, oh, we can't keep Kuzma. And um, I don't know. Maybe then they trade him for Kevin Love and they get the gang back together. I don't know. A um, couple of quick hitters and then we'll wrap up here. Um, Toronto. Are we sure they're a playoff team? Uh, like if they trade Lowry midseason, do is a solid. And they move him to like Detroit. Well, they're definitely out, right?
0: Yeah. Um, I think they're still. I, I think they're in. Um,
1: I do they want to think... be in?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Does I mean, Masai want it? It's, it's weird with like a title defense where. You know, you 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 have seen some pretty bad title defenses, um, but I think for the most part, you you know kind of want to have a competitive season after you win a championship. You know, you want you want to defend your title. Uh, that's obviously not going to happen. Um, where like I, I don't see them, um, you know, like they're they're not a contender. They're not. I, I don't see them getting home court. Uh, but I think th- I mean, I think there's something there if they keep it together where, like, I, I think just with Lowry and-, and Siakam alone, like, that's two top 40 players, maybe two top 35 players. So you kind of have something there. Obviously, again, like, you're missing that Kawhi piece that takes you to that other level. But they're still deep. They're still p- going to be pretty good defensively, you know, getting back OG and an OB, um, you know, him healthy. I think Norm Powell uh, kind of bounced back after, you know. You know, playing well to kind of start his career, then kind of regressing, then, then playing well again. Um, you know, Corey, you still have Corey Joseph. Like, they, they have some pieces where like they they are just kind of missing that one guy, which was Kawhi, and, and you saw that last season. But I don't know. Like, I, I think as constructed, to me, they're like a five to seven seed, uh, depending on how you know what happens with Boston, what happens with Indiana, what happens with Brooklyn. Like, I see them in that five to seven range, uh, but. If they move any of those, I mean, I, I don't think they move Siakam, but if they move Gasol, if they move Lowry, if they move Ibaka, I do see them taking a step back, especially Lowry, and you know, then they probably miss the playoffs. But again, as as I said earlier, I just think the East is trash. Uh, I think you know, you you have your Philly, Milwaukee. I think uh, Brooklyn, Indiana, and Boston are like the next three like semi locks as, as playoff teams, and then it gets to like uh, you know Toronto. Miami, Detroit, Chicago, Atlanta, uh, Orlando. Like I don't love any of those teams. I I think though, you know, I don't know if any of those teams would make the playoffs in the West. Um, you know, maybe the Raptors would be like the eighth seed, but those are all like pretty fringy teams to me that I I just don't really like. And, um, so I'm like, you know, how far can you really fall? Like, I guess if they dumped Lowry somewhere, they'd be, you know, they'd take a pretty big hit, but even if they move Gasol or Ibaka, I'm like, It's it's kind of hard to drop in the East. It's so damn bad that just having Lowry and Siakam together, I feel like almost makes you a playoff team. So I I don't know what's going to happen with Toronto. They're really hard to read because you would think that if anyone would rebuild after a championship in this situation, it's Masai. But there's also kind of a point of pride of almost like, well, if they have like a year as like the fifth seed and make the second round somehow, like that would kind of be like prove you know, kind of sticking it to Kawhi a little bit and proving like, no, like we didn't, you know, maybe we're not a championship team, but like we're still pretty good without this guy. And and sometimes that matters to certain organizations. Prove like you're like, okay, see, that was kind of their thing of like they didn't even care. They were a championship team, uh, they weren't a championship team anymore without KD. It was almost like a let's be as good as possible, you know, and just prove like we don't really need KD, like we'll be fine without him. That obviously didn't work out for them. So I'm very interested to see Toronto. Like they're to me probably one of the five most interesting teams in the league, just in terms of you know what's going to happen between now and the the trade deadline, what's going to happen between now and April. Like where are they in the playoff picture? How good are they? Uh, I have a lot of questions of the Raptors.
1: I'm going to say no. My gut tells me that Masai is going to gradually just trade off all these expiring surge fan fleet, all of them. I think he's going to do these guys a solid. I think that's ultimately what he's going to do. Even Gasol. Like, I don't think he's going to run this back. I think once Kyle Lauer gets moved and then I think the bottom falls out. Um, but I do think he gives Pasco Siakam the max. I think they max him out. And I think they, um, give guys like OG and a lot of time. And I, I do, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see what they do, but that that's my gut. Um, Last one. and Actually, no, it's a two-parter. Last two. One on the East, one on the West. I think the Bulls are a playoff team this year. So that's my East take. I, I really really like their starting vibe. I like the mixture between vets and young guys now. Love Kobe White. Love what I saw in Summer League. I don't know where you're at with him, but I'm all in on Kobe White. Big fan. And then um, which West playoff team from last year do you think falls out of the playoffs this year?
0: Um, Okay. So wait, you want to know where I fall with Chicago? Yes. Uh, so my my right now my my east pecking order is Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Boston, Indiana, Toronto, Miami, and the, oof, well, I still, yeah, I guess I go Orlando. I, I guess it, well, you're you have Toronto missing, so yes. I, I would still have Orlando in there. Um, and then I, I'll probably have Chicago nine and Detroit 10, uh, and then Atlanta 11. And then the last four, I don't really care. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you really hate the bottom uh, of the East. You hate the East. I really hate the East. West the coast bias. From I, I'm, I'm, pro,
0: I'm pro West. Um, th- there's been so much East coast bias over the years that I, I'm I'm now pro West coast bias. Um, mm. for the West, I guess my pecking order. So uh, I'm just giving you my playoff teams and then what we'll, we'll go from. Uh, I think my playoff order right now is like Denver, Utah, Clippers, Rockets, Lakers, Blazers, uh, and there's two more. Um, oh, no, sorry. Uh, Lakers, Lakers five, Warriors six, Blazers seven, and then. I think Spurs eight. So I don't know who I'm knocking out.
1: Uh, I don't think you're knocking out any. Oh, okay. See.
0: Oh yeah. O- okay. See. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's I okay. Think see, i go um, ahead to
1: knock them out. You could talk. We- I
0: mean, you could talk me into knocking out the Spurs. Um, yeah. I just think, I mean, I, I think the team that I have, I mean, the biggest drop team of, of all of them that I just mentioned is Portland. Um, I, yeah. I don't, Love Hassan Whiteside with that group. I I think they're gonna really miss aminu and Harkless's defense. Like they didn't really replace that. Where it's kind and Nurkic like,
1: who's out for most of the season. Or and gonna R- yeah.
0: miss time. Uh, but I'm like, let's guess, and what? Now you're telling me you're gonna put Zach Collins at the four next to Hassan Whiteside, which like doesn't really make sense to me. And on top of that, uh, I mean, like, ba- I guess Bazemore is like solid, but you're just going from like Aminu and Harkless defensively who I think were both really good defenders that like kind of weren't recognized that way just because of playing in Portland and, and because they kind of did the dirty work for that team. But um, you know, obviously and they both had their shortcomings offensively and, and so that kind of got more of the attention of like, oh, they can't shoot and like, you know, their minuses offensively, but defensively and on the glass, like those two were really solid. And I think, you know, losing that, replacing it with Kent Bazemore and um, you know more Rodney Hood, like I, I just don't think that replaces that. And I, I, I like defensively, I think this team is 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 a potential train wreck. Like they they scream bottom ten defense to me. I don't think they could stop anybody. And I, I just don't really I don't really like their team. So uh, Portland to me is that big drop where I see them as like a seven or eight seed. Um, San Antonio, I could see missing it, but the, the the problem for me is like I just don't see who else is ready to take that next step, right? So Memphis is out, Phoenix is out, and I think Minnesota's out. So that leaves you with the, the four possible teams as uh, Dallas, uh, New Orleans, uh, Sacramento, and I'm missing one more team.
1: Who are we forgetting here? Um... Dallas,
0: New Orleans, Sacramento, and I think it's a team in the
1: Southwest. Minnesota? Did we say Minnesota? I said Minnesota's out. Phoenix is definitely. Oh, not
0: okay, in. OKC. So I think OK. Oh, OKC. I, yeah, I yeah, OKC yeah. could maybe make it, but I think they're out. So for me it's really um like Dallas, Memphis, or I, I don't mean, think Dallas is there. Have Orleans, you seen their wing depth? Dallas, sorry, Dallas, New Orleans, and uh, Sacramento. So Sacramento, I guess, is maybe the best candidate of those three. I would say yes. Um, yeah. I think New Orleans, I think we're in agreement that they're, they're going to be worse than people think. Yes. Um, like, of course, if Zion is just this like transcendent force, and Drew Holiday is really good. uh, Derek Favors and, and JJ Redick are nice. They're know, just going to be a terrible half-court
1: team like they're not going to be able to score in the half court. They're going to lose a lot of close games, I think, because of the way they play and the way this this roster works right now. I can
0: definitely see that. Now da- Dallas I I first really didn't like Dallas, but like the more I look at their roster, the more I talk myself into it. I'm like Big
1: Dorian Finney Smith fan?
0: No, but like so so what? I think their projected starting lineup is um Dwight Powell, Porzingis, which we don't know when he's going to be back and that's a big factor. Um Delon Wright, Luca, Delon Wright, and there's one more guy. It's not Dorian. It's
1: It's, someone else. It's it's Hardaway. So it's Hardaway. Oh, it's Hardaway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Oh God, I don't like Tim Hardaway. (laughs) Yeah. See, like, Uh, say this out loud. Say that lineup out loud, and you're like, yeah, this is. I mean, as an
0: eight, like, I don't know. Like, I guess for me, it's what shape does poor Porzingis come back in? Like, is is he, you know, because he he was really hitting his stride that year. He got injured.
1: Oh, I think him and Luke are going to be great. That depth around them just sucks. Like, it like really if you, sucks. if you
0: if you have though if if you have two top 25 guys like which I think I'm not saying they're going to be but I think they have that potential to both be Yeah. like like two, you know, like two two all-star level guys. Like it's not that crazy. Um you know, two even two top 30 guys like you're in that mix e- even in the West. Um it, they still have well they brought back Seth Curry. Um, I mean like the thing is Rick always gets the best out of their bench somehow like you can I mean they were dominating bench units with like Devin Harris and JJ Barea like I I just think, and like I I just think that that their bench will be fine they'll have an above-average bench even if they on paper don't have an above-average bench it's just a matter of like you know what's their best five-man unit like I like Dwight Powell Uh, obviously I like Porzingis and Luca Um, DeLon Wright is a starter I don't know how I feel about that but I mean, if they if they can kind of figure out that fourth and fifth spot, which is is saying a lot, um, it would not surprise me if they somehow like beat out San Antonio and won like forty-four or forty-five games. Um but I, I guess the, the the team, like we just said, that, that kind of looms is like Sacramento. You know, maybe they kind of pick off where they left off last season and, and they take another step. They added Ariza, they added uh, Dwayne Deadman. Um, like I, I guess you could say on paper they're they're probably better especially if Fox takes another leap Bagley takes another leap. Um, like you could, I guess I could talk myself into Sacramento as an eight seed, but as of right now, I'd probably go San Antonio and just have OKC being the only team from last season missing playoffs.
1: Yeah. I, um, I don't know. I, I think the, the Mavericks are not on my list. I think the, the Kings Spurs stuff is interesting. And I also just, one of these teams is going to get ravaged by injuries. I just don't know who it is. And it's hard to forecast that like the Clippers, the Lakers, the Rockets, um even the blazers to an extent the jazz could get into that problem um the pelicans i think will obviously have injuries uh i i don't know one of these teams is going to get ravaged and it's going to be a surprise I, I don't know who it is yet but um it's it's going to happen unfortunately that's just part of basketball some teams get destroyed by injuries and it's unfortunate um all right i think we covered a lot of ground here today yovan we had to we had to just kind of get loose get back in the motions we're about a month and a half from basketball returning to our lives is, is it even a month and a half i guess it's a month and a half something like that but um yeah is there anything we should check out from you on the athletic.com this week
0: yeah i've, I've had a couple pieces go up this week um one on five lineups i think the clippers should test out uh as i mentioned earlier in the podcast and then um what the Clippers newcomers not name Kawhi Leonard or Paul George bring to the rotation you know I think everyone's focused on Kawhi and PG naturally but you know Mo Harkless uh, I think is a really solid player especially as like the ninth or tenth guy on this team uh Rodney Magruder also in a similar position uh and then Patrick Patterson someone who a lot of people have written off including kind of me too but uh you know there's some interesting stuff there with him so kind of broke down those three guys and how they fit within the context of the roster and the rotation and kind of where they are at this point in their career. But um, those are the two things. And then um, I I mentioned it to you before the podcast, but uh, I'm my clip city podcast is officially ending uh, under the blue wire network. And I will be transitioning to the athletic podcast network, uh, which will be launching in early October. So I'll still be keeping the Clip City name, the Clip City branding, mm. uh, like the logo and stuff. But um, it will be moving from Blue Wire to The Athletic. We, I don't know the official plan yet as far as like what's going to be behind the paywall, what's not behind the paywall. But um, as far as I'm aware, like there will be some – some of the content will be outside the paywall. So um you know, hopefully like once a week or so, like at least one of my podcasts will be outside of it. So, um, if you're following the clip city or, or me already and not subscribed to the athletic, um, I hope you will at least check it out, uh, subscribe for, you know, the one week free trial. And if you don't like it, you can unsubscribe or cancel your subscription. Uh, but if you do like it, you know, hopefully you keep subscribing and enjoy our content.
1: No, you should not cancel your athletic <laughs> subscription. I would not um not do that. Um I w I,
0: I, I don't like it, but I I like I like to be, you know, give people the option. No, be
1: an it's... authoritarian, Yovan. It's it's time. It's time to embrace P- people the people don't like spending money. I've learned that. <laughs> Some people do not. But um unfortunately <laughs> that's what you should do because the athletic is good. So spend money, folks. Um and spend money on Yovan so he can um keep spending money on vacations to Europe for six yes, months at a time. Yes,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, Jovan, thank you so much for making the time. As always, we will touch base very soon. Sounds good, man. All right, we are good. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Thank you again to our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. Um, thank you again to all of my awesome guests for coming on the pod. Um, and don't forget, if you like today's episode and you are an Apple podcast listener, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. It helps. Um, you can also find us on Google Play, Spotify, Um where you can access all of my previous episodes and read all my work. So, Chase Thomas Podcast slash page hyphen 11. Um, so, go do that, read all my stuff, listen to the podcast, um, all that good stuff. Uh, also, follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas. Uh, like the Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. And uh, also, follow me on Instagram at Chase double underscore Thomas. All right. Thanks so much, guys. And I will have another episode for you very soon.
0: Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.